0: Chasing Leviathan is a podcast about pursuing truth one big question at a time through the discipline of listening. Truth is too big to tame, but if we pay close attention, we might get the chance to glimpse something truly magnificent. So please join me in this pursuit one week at a time. Hello and welcome to Chasing Leviathan. I'm your host, PJ Weary, and I'm here today with Dr. Melanie Murata, lecturer in, de- in the Department of English and Language Arts at Morgan State University. Dr. Murata, Melanie, wonderful to have you on the show today.
1: Nice to see you too. This is great.
0: And today we're talking about your uh, book, African-American Adolescent Female Heroes, the 21st century young adult neo-slave narrative. And I will ask you to kind of like walk us through all those terms, but first, why this book?
1: why this book uh no one's ever done it before now as i say that somebody's gonna say oh i did this right <laughs> that's always the way it works i did it yeah no one has ever done this area before um so my phd is in african-american women's lit and oh i can hear somebody's fire alarm going off no worries. Uh, <laughs> An apartment, okay, good, um, is in African-American Women's Lit from Morgan State, and my dissertation chair is, or was, uh, Dr. Ruth T. Sheffy, um, who's one of the foremost authorities on Zora Noel Hurston in the world. Um, so, ultimately, she, she, you know, she she's the person to ask, and, and uh, I see her a few times a year. She has an endowed lectureship, and this year's talk was about promoting, um, was about promoting black women. And so I wrote my dissertation, um, based on, um, my interest in, in African-American women's lit and the impact of environment. And it inevitably fell in, it's one of those things when you're, when you're an academic that, once in a while you'll 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 fall into something and YA was not young adult literature was not my area right it was I always did adult literature I did um children's literature and some YA at the University of Guelph where my undergrad's from um and it's just one of those funny things that that you end up responding to a call for papers and kind of fall into this area but you're you're always expanding your your, your area of interest, right? Um, I certainly right. hope so. <laughs> that I, I certainly hope so, right? If not, you get you know you get stale and and you can't and you can't teach students the way that they should be taught, and uh, you always want to make sure that you're that you're updating. Um, in October, so this weekend, uh, cause it's Labor Day, I'll ultimately be working on, um, finishing my conference presentation for the, uh, for Pamela in, at the end of October, which is the Pacific and Ancient Modern Language Association. And that'll be, that presentation will be, um, on um, two new books that came out last year and um is a chapter part of a chapter in my upcoming book that's due for the wonderful University Press Mississippian in, in in February. So the fact is you should always be and it's on and it's on Black Horror. Um you should always be updating what it is that you're doing. So I responded to, as inevitably happens, I responded to in twenty fourteen a call for papers about YA and I thought, oh I could, I can do, I I, I can branch out and and think about rather than adult literature, what about, what about adolescence? And what is it that could be of of interest? And it took me, yeah. So it came out this year. I started in 2014. Yup. This is, this is the book, right? I mean, I did two books in between. These at
0: least you finished (laughs) it, right? It's not, yeah. I
1: finished. Yes, I finished, and now I'm working on, and and I say that about the next one, and I'm finishing now. That's <laughs> new in February. Um, yeah. Um, it it's it was. I responded to this call for papers, and I thought, hey, this will be, and 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 I I do African American women's lit and the neo slave narrative, and have always found it to be an integral area. I mean. Um, everybody knows who, who Octavia Butler is, right? And Octavia Butler is, is, you know, and her kindred is is the book. And I remember reading it in grad school. I had this this wonderful professor, Dr. Carter, who um, she put *Kindred* on on the reading list, and it was like, you know, light bulbs go off, and oh my goodness, this is the book, right? And this is what that everybody should read. And then, of course, you know, *FX* just—I still haven't watched it because I don't know, right? You know, they did that. They did that. I know. And 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 you always want to. It's the same thing. Toni Morrison, of course, wrote the *Neo Slave Narrative* with *Beloved*, and there is a movie and. I don't know. <laughs> it's like do you do you I, I I you know uh I love adaptations, but do you really wanna, you know, sully the 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 love that you have for this for this book with Yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like here it is and, and, and do you really wanna do that? So I, I you know I put a I put a pin in the series and really didn't wanna really didn't wanna touch it just yet, but Um, I studied the neo-slave narrative and the slave narrative and of course, you know, Henry Louis Gates Jr. Who is, who's the guy? Right, and of course he's on he's on PBS for his series, but he's the guy that that does um, the analysis of of these integral texts that are they're that so important to not just not just American history, right? But but and again, I'm I'm a Canadian American, so um, but worldwide worldwide history, right? right? Uh, that that uh, as we as we talk about Florida, um, that that ultimately there's you know this this erasure. Of this body of American history, and again, if, if, if you will, worldwide history, that that just can't happen. That we, I mean, yesterday, um, this week is 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 the uh, the anniversary of of the march, right? And 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 ultimately, yesterday was was the the anniversary of of, of Emmett Till. Um, and of course, if you've if you've gone down to the Smithsonian Museum of African American History and Culture, right, um, one must one must go to 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 see the, the the Emmett Till exhibit and and see what is and see the atrocities that have been documented by this by this wonderful museum, and and we have to we have to remember, right. And, and like I said, kind of falling into YA, I was always doing the slave narrative and neo-slave narrative and did for my dissertation. Um, and of course, um, you always continue on what you're, what you're working on with your dissertation for, for your students and, and for your, um, for your research and, and ultimately for your teaching. But going into YA, I thought, why, like, why isn't anybody doing this? with this right. right and what it you know what it what what is going on why is nobody looking at, at at um young adult literature as as neo-slave narratives is this because um it tends to be an adult area um you know again with you know octavia butler right gail jones um with with of course you know Toy morrison um, is this ultimately something that that adults deal with only, and and why? Why is that? Why is that the case? And especially now with with so many with so many texts coming out for for children as as a reminder, right? That that this is something that we 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 need to learn about and we need to learn about in school and make sure that ultimately history cannot be forgotten. So. I looked around and thought, okay, nobody's doing this. Why is nobody, you know, why is nobody, why is nobody doing this? So I started poking around and I found, and, and, Science fiction is one of my areas, in spec fic, right? It's super fun, right? How is that not fun? Um, and, and I know, I haven't, I, in, in you know in, in, in horror now, too, I haven't seen the new Dracula movie, and I and I would love to, right? It looks amazing. <laughs> and I keep telling my students, because I teach vampires, too, I'm like, somebody has to go and see this movie and tell me how it is, because, you know, especially because, you know, this weekend was like $4 movie day, it was like, somebody wet, Right. But, no, everybody went to see Blue Beetle, right? Um, <laughs> superheroes. <laughs> Always superheroes. But um, it was – I looked around, and I was doing my research, and I found a blog from a mom, and, and and I've since never been able to find that blog again, but she was out of Georgia, and she said, nobody writes books for my kids. And why is that, Right um she she um the blogger was an African American woman who said nobody's writing books for for my kids my kids are not represented in the text why is this the case like what's going on so I started poking around more because again we're dealing you know 13 17 age range and and there are those who say like YA is just slap a label on it so we can ultimately market it right and go you know yeah and go the big buck route right but it is a real genre right because ultimately um adolescents need to see themselves in in text so I started poking around and thought where is the YA spec fic featuring um African American young women um why is this not the case and it took me a really long time to to and actually until about 2019 um it was few and far between um major publishers weren't weren't doing it uh so I thought nope can't have that right don't want to do harry potter again <laughs> right? nobody needs nobody needs to see anymore harry potter theory uh, <laughs> well, let's do but, but and that's the other thing like why do we do the same old same old right and so I wrote the book. It took me, you know, conference presentations took took a chapter out at one point, uh, you know, because hey, finished it during the pandemic. Because that's when you write a book, right? Um, that, <laughs> yeah, um, and that no, don't like this chapter, but added a added a new one. Um, the last chapter actually was was my newest and, and and freshest, and wanted to make sure that because again, these um, books take time, right? And as a result, you know, I didn't want to be doing all books from, from this time range. I wanted to go as recent as, as humanly possible. Um and, and that's the same thing with the book I'm I'm writing now. Um everything is really recent because I want to say twenty nineteen kind of kinda kicked it off, right? Like like twenty twenty-three. Um I teach women and gender studies too, right? So twenty twenty-three really, I mean, Pride Month happened and there was like a boom of YA queer text. And it's like, wow, you know, publishers are, are, are catching on and, and, and putting out these books. And, and the same thing happened with YA Spec Vic. All of a sudden you got um, really some some excellent, excellent works. And I really wanted to highlight um, the these are the books that are that are out there, right? And um, in some of this, I mean, I was the first person that that published in these about these books, so um, bringing attention, making sure um, you know authors get credit where credit is, is due. But hopefully, that other teachers will will integrate those those texts in in their teaching as well. So that's how I fell into it. <laughs> there is a long, long explanation. No. But
0: it, I mean, ultimately, it was for that mom in Georgia, right? Like that. Uh... Right? Yeah, um, and it's about why, like, and you're like, I'm going to find them, and I'm going to make sure they get spread. Um, but something you mentioned mo- uh, multiple times, and I-, I wanted to, before we move into your book, because I do want to talk about that, uh, you talked about um, why it's important not to stagnate or become stale um, for pedagogical reasons. Why, uh, and we actually, I just had someone on talk about uh, uh, pedagogy in the new cl- college classroom, all that sort of thing. Uh, but I'd love to hear from you. Why is it important to, uh, if I if I'm understanding you correctly, why is it important to continually grow uh, personally and um, in your studies if you're going to teach your students well?
1: You can't teach the same thing over and over again, right? So long, long ago, it used to be you could be a university professor and you could focus your entire career on one writer. And you did this one writer and this is what you did. Um, and your entire career was based on this. And you were the person, right? Well, over time, due to job, right? Um, and, and but, but but not just, you know, hiring and, and, and you know, in and, and education, Oh, I, I I always seem to be talking about this. We're facing terrible cuts, especially in the humanities, and and you know people are are really pushing that you know the humanities aren't important anymore. It's like um, they are. It's the study of people. Uh, and ultimately, we're, we're making sure that when you go out into the workforce, that you can, um, you, you have CAT skills, critical and analytical thinking skills. We're making sure that you can ultimately argue for your, ultimately argue for yourself, right? Um, going out and, and, and making sure that your voice is heard at, at work. So as, as an instructor, that just didn't fly anymore. You can't just do one writer. So you have to, you know, spread this out and have to do even more and become, um, ultimately it, in a way you should be an expert in, in as many areas as, as humanly possible. I'm doing, like I said, for, for October, um, black horror, horror was not my area. Right. Um, it just, you know, it, it, it wasn't, um, I'm, I'm writing on Tiffany, um, and I love Tiffany Jackson so much, uh, Tiffany Jackson's the, the Weight of Blood, um, I'm writing on that for, for October, I wrote, um, for last year's Pamela presentation, um, about Tiffany Jackson's White Smoke, which is, which is an African-American, um, YA gothic novel, and it's amazing, and I got to hear it at the Library of Congress Book Festival last year, and had my picture taken, and got my autograph, and everything, it was wonderful, <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know, I fangirled out, right, but, I mean, horror was not my area It's science fiction. And Western, um, you know, Justified City Primeval will be on tonight, and I'll totally be watching that because I have an essay coming out in, in the journal College Literature about Elmer Leonard's work, right? But you can't just do, okay, well, I'm going to do three things. I'm always going to do three things, and it's only going to be three things, and this is what I'm going to do for my entire career because it's it's no good for, it, it isn't any good for your students um, and for yourself. You're going to do the same old, same old always, right? Right. Um, no, you, in order to grow as, as a, as a person, as an educator, we're always reading, we're always learning. We go to conferences, um, in person so that we can, you know, we can not only listen to other presenters, um, present on their area of expertise, but also so we can, you know, go to the meet and greet and talk to people later and get to talk about their work and learn all about so that ultimately we can, um, integrate those areas into our teaching too. Um, during the pandemic, again, like this is the time to do stuff. So. I, I I took a course that I've been teaching, and and I thought, you know, um, I think I'm gonna put a theme on this course. So now I'm teaching vampires, and so I have yeah, <laughs> and there you go. So why not, right? Um, everybody, you know, uh, other professors had themes for their course and I thought, hey. So I can do I, I do gothic literature. I've been doing gothic literature for a while. Um, I have an essay coming out next year in the Rutledge Handbook for Transgender Literature about transgender gothic literature. Um, I have an essay that after I finish this one, I'll finish the other one for um, for an encyclopedia about transgender white literature, contemporary American. Um, but again. You you always stay in your in your wheelhouse but don't, right? You know, you always you always stay here, but you have to go over here because not only what if these students are are in your class, but also am I only supposed to do, you know, late 20th century liter American literature for the rest of my life? No, right? Because that was my dissertation? No. You have to to uh, as a person, but also as an educator, you have to. You always have to continue to adapt. So you know, for for the for the new round of the new round of first year students, um, I looked at how I designed the course and I thought, yeah, this last book, I don't know if it worked. I thought it was. I thought it was okay. It it was it was a really good vampire neo slave narrative, but they didn't really seem to like it as much, so I swapped it out and um, I'll be putting in um, African-American Queer Vampire, right? Um, because that's fun, right? And, and again, right, not only why not, but you have to make sure your students are, are represented. So I try to hit as many areas as, as I can. I start with Polidori and go all the way up to something that came out, what, three years ago. Um, that way, ensure you know again not just representation, but that we're we're always current and we're always up on we're always up on on, on current theories. But again, as 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 a teacher and a person, you you must
0: yeah. right. Yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah, it's just it's good to always hear like the different perspectives on that. Um, but I, you've mentioned this I, even now. You were talking about you've talked about slave narratives and neo slave narratives. Do you mind articulating what those two are and the, the difference between them.
1: Oh, sure. Uh, so it, it, it depends on where you are as, as well. So slave narratives either come tend to come from British enslavement or tend to come from American enslavement, right? The difference in between, uh, the two and, and the most famous, um, of course, uh, Mary Prince and Equiano, um, connected to, to British enslavement, um, slave narratives that tend to come from British enslavement tend to be from formerly enslaved persons, right? Remember we, we, and for, for everybody listening, we don't say it's slave anymore. You don't say you don't use that terminology anymore, right? Because a slave ultimately is, is a noun. Being an enslaved person is is different, right? This is more talking about, you know, using it as, here, here's me as an English instructor, right? Um, as an adjective, right? Rather than this is the whole person, which is what a, a slave was, what that means, right? Instead, as an enslaved person, you're reminding everyone that these were people... This was the the condition. This is was enforced upon them, and in, in in Britain's case, they were stolen from their homes and forced into enslavement. The difference with American enslavement, it it tends to be. Um, I'm in Baltimore, right? Frederick Douglass. Okay, um, yeah, Frederick Douglass is 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 everywhere. One direction you get Edgar Allan Poe. The other direction you get you get Falls Point. And you get Frederick Douglass, right? And of course the 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 museum and and uh, the Smithsonian, uh, the Sam Museum, the in the in the portrait gallery have have just. Um, placed his daguerreotype and in his portrait. I've seen the portrait. I hadn't seen the daguerreotype before, um, back on, back on exhibit, right? Like, like again, here, here's Frederick Douglass, but it's a really, um, Frederick Douglass and not the, not the stern, right? It, 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 in that, and again, the, the photo, you know, the, the image was, was taken for a reason. Right. Um, but ultimately this is a, a reminder and I put his, his, Frederick Douglass is a young man. When I teach Frederick Douglass into my teaching to remind students like this is how this is how young he was. But again, with American enslavement, it was these are people who were born into enslavement. And this is and this is all they knew. Right. Um, because you you do get you do get persons who say, well, why did not they just leave? Really? And go where? Right. Um, and, it and, you know, and, and with what? Um, and these are you know if you if you read Frederick Douglass's narrative um, he he was born in Maryland um, there he was this is you know here's this plantation that he spent um, you know his formative years on um, he ultimately was taught and, and, and taught himself mostly learned how to read and write and as a result it assisted him and escaping because it had to be it it was an escape he had to leave um or inevitably death right like this is not hey he could just walk away one day and you know everything is just peachy right and 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 again you get people who just like oh yeah you know they should have just you how right (laughs) like it, it, it wasn't going to happen people people died and um ultimately these texts, uh, should be taught in, in schools. And we're seeing so much where either people are A, banning them, um, or B, putting, you know, these, these warnings on these texts, right. Or, or C, doing what some universities are and saying, well, if you find this, this triggering, you don't have to, you don't have to read this. You can read something else. And really, um, no. Uh, everybody should should be reading Frederick Douglass's text, or everybody should be reading, you know, Mary Prince's text. Um, ultimately, ensuring that we all know and remember that these people existed, and here's what happened. That they're only writing these texts, or somebody was writing these texts for them because they couldn't read and they couldn't write. Um, that these texts existed to get people ultimately to support the abolitionist movement, right? Again, I always point to Henry Louis Gates, always go to his works, right? Because he's the guy and he's written extensively. But so what happened was eventually 20th century writers thought, okay, well, I mean, ultimately we, we can't forget, but how can we take this, this, experience this historical moment this atrocity that happened on american soil and how can we place this in a modern contemporary text right and of course you get um you get um margaret walker's jubilee you get octavia butler's kindred you get uh tony morrison's beloved right um gail jones again one of my favorite writers uh wrote my dissertation on her too writing about her now Uh, her bird catcher is amazing But how can you take this experience and write about it from a contemporary perspective and write about it for a contemporary audience? Will you create the the neo-slave narrative, right? And ultimately uh, what this work does is you are... Fletcher. It's always two. (laughs) I
0: I, I, I literally (laughs) just sit there waiting for the second one, sorry. (laughs)
1: It's, it's it's pollen season, and and with your weather, I'm sure you're just not no, getting away not with it. No. <laughs> no, it's 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 the same thing here, and with the humidity, it's oh, yeah. the same thing. Here. Um, but with the the neo slave narrative, the difference is that not only are you writing about it from a modern contemporary perspective, and and for you know for a contemporary audience, but also you can take this structure and offer characters agency that they wouldn't have had before power over their lives. Right. Um, making sure that characters have, have a voice and that's really what the young adult perspective does. Right. Not only brings, um, and and I focus on American. Um, we'll we'll leave we'll leave we'll leave British for now. I did work on one one writer um, who 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 teaches in in North Carolina partly, um, but ultimately uh, and, and he is British. But my works were were, were American. Um, for uh, forgive me one sorry. second.
0: I so I part of it was me sneezing. but I just want to make sure. So as you were talking about the um, slave versus neo slave, part of it. The distinction is that in the neo-slave narratives, they were able to create more agency and more voice for their characters. That's part of the distinction. As especially and yeah. obviously you have more of a historical setting and you have a more of a yes. speculative setting. Is that kind of some of the distinctions? Okay.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh absolutely. I, I'm sure you explained uh, it really well.
0: Sure. I just I was sneezing and I was like, shoot, I think that was it. <laughs> all right, everything. That's
1: all right. <laughs> And, and, and with, with a slave narrative too, um, Robert Steptoe wrote this, you know, excellent book, um, where he laid out different types of different, different structures of of slave narratives, but ultimately, um, they were written for people in the abolitionist movement, right? Um, and hopefully attempting to urge people to, to, to vote, right. To, to enact law, to make sure that that's enslavement on American soil, um, that enslavement was abolished. Right. Um, so you're getting particularly with Frederick Douglass. So they used his, his was the most popular slave narrative of all time. He has sold 30,000 copies. Um, and every text that came after that, point was really modeled on here's this trajectory. So when, um, you get neo-slave narratives, you'll see that, that similar trajectory, ultimately, you know, the, 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 the escape, um, and going north, it is the end and that's where it ends off. These are first person narrations, um, telling the reader, here's what happened and really, urging them to to enact change you have a voice you need to use this right neo-slave narrative um, tended to really come out later 20th century around and again we talked about civil rights movement today with the anniversary um around that time period and again it's 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 not only just a a reminder of, of american history but offering African American art writers offering their their characters um, voices they may not have had before, and no longer the work ends with the, if you will, the escape and going north, Um, a lot of the time that part happens in the beginning, so you get to see what you didn't see before, which here's the life afterwards, right? I mean, Frederick Douglass is, is the guy, right. right? I mean, he's one of my most favorite writers of all time. He's the guy, right? Um, and you got to learn, you know, yeah, uh, you got to learn a lot about, uh, especially with his, you know, his career as an abolitionist, right? Um, ultimately, um, you know, his connection with um, the University of Rochester, right? They have their, their institute there because, um, you know, he went to Rochester, New York. Um, the fact is you got to see a lot of his life afterwards right after the first after the first book and he wrote extensively after that point but a lot of formerly enslaved people you you didn't right it was it was it was one book and then it ended here and then you didn't really learn what happened right so this is a chance for writers to say this is not the end right that 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 enslaved people this is not the end here's the life afterwards here's what happened here's how enslavement remains in impactful right and and um right now systemic racism and uh critical race theory ultimately is getting you know um there are those who want to, you know, take that little pink dollar store eraser and erase everything and rewrite everything, right? And you can't. You can't. We can't forget. And so these writers are ensuring, and I mean, and again, it's a, it's a specfic, you know, um, text, right? There are those people who still say, like, Octavia Butler's neo-slave narrative is not the serious one because there was science fiction in it. it travel traveled through time. So, therefore, it's not... No, literature, right? It's like really because of science fiction. No, right? You just get to do more, and you get to do different things, right? <laughs> you get to travel through time. You get to do different things, and this is a way for for her character Dana to to look back on her past and and see how ultimately she she came to be and to remember to remember the ancestors, right?
0: Um, even as you're talking here about like uh, slave narratives always ended with the escape to the north and neo-slave is about uh, people continuing on after that. Some of that goes back to the distinction you're making between slave and enslaved person, right? Because it's like, oh, your story ends when you stop being a slave because that's how you were defined. When you talk about enslaved person, it's like, oh, now I've I've gotten out of the enslavement. I'm still a person. I still have a story. It keeps going, right? And that's, is that part of the connection there? Uh, Am I tracking with you?
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, for sure. Right. And, and again, it, you know, the, the slave narrative, Frederick Douglass is so impactful because he reminds his readership that he is, he is a person, right? That's why his is, is, is really the the go-to. I mean, if you're, if you're a teacher and you're, and you're, I'm going to say I'm going to take a little aside and say this, um, and this would be the the second book I put together with a colleague Susan Flynn. We did a critical pedagogical text about ensuring that DEI was was in classrooms. Like in other words, if you're not entirely sure, don't worry about it. Don't be nervous about it. Just just do it right. Um, because that's what happens sometimes too. Teachers don't want to branch out because they're nervous; they're going to make a mistake, and then you know the, the court of public opinion is going to, oh, right? Here's what happened, and you're gonna, you know, right? And, th- and that's inevitably what's going to happen. Some people are people get afraid that what if I make a mistake and it doesn't and it doesn't work? And the fact is, you, you gotta you gotta do it right you got to do the leap and you got to do it and and Frederick Douglass is a good is a good starting point because besides his his work has it all right ultimately his his text embodies rhetoric and the argument but even before he can argue that enslavement needs to be has to be abolished he has to argue and prove to his readership that he's a person right because to his his because to, to many people at the time he wasn't considered to be a person he was considered to be property. So with the neo slave narratives, it's 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 personal, right? You get to see that um, ultimately these characters um, are people. They have agency. They have emotions. They're people, right? And I keep saying right, that right. for a reason, and, and you know that that ultimately um, and. This is something that we should read. So it's got science fiction. Right? That just makes I mean, it. More I fun, I'm right? a science fiction
0: fan, so you're preaching to the choir here. Like <laughs> I, I read way too much okay. speculative fiction. So right.
1: Right. So, so Justine Ireland's texts have zombies in it, right? You know what I mean? Like, you know, hey, right? That just adds to the fun of the thing, right? And of course, zombies are all representative too. I teach a little zombie one now and again. You know, <laughs> little, little, bit, little, bit, little bit. dabbling. Guys, right. got that into. <laughs> um,
0: I wanted to go. It, it's a, you. You mentioned this earlier. It's not a. Uh, it is a very intentional choice and a very important one that these slave and neo-slave narratives are told in the first person because in third person you could keep that property distinction but first person is that's a stylistic that's that shows like you're like oh my gosh this is like you're living i'm living inside this person's head and it makes them makes people uncomfortable right um and i have to ask you this i apologize what is dei
1: oh diversity equity and inclusivity oh, okay got it it, it, different countries have different different short forms. Uh, like Europe does EDI. It, it, it's the same thing. Ultimately, all it means is just a fancy term, which means make sure your students are shown in your course. Yeah, yeah. Right. Make sure that yeah that there's that there's representation there. Um, that that everybody has a chance to. Um, see themselves in books, in literature, in television, that there is representation, that people are
0: there. Well, and that uh, the students get to meet people who are different than themselves because that's a big part of education. Right? <laughs> like oh yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. And that's the thing, right? That that's the whole yeah. purpose of going to university, right? You go to university, you 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 branch out, you meet new people in in your classroom, right? But you also um, meet them in the text that you're reading. I'm designing a Canadian literature course now, and I mean, hey, I could do the same old, same old stuff, right? Or, oh, okay, I could put Sylvia Moreno Garcia's Mexican Gothic in the course. I mean, she's the you know the number one um, Gothic um, novelist. You know right now like she's amazing and she writes um she's canadian and latinx and here's her perspective and here's her text right um indigenous horror is is booming right now and because it's awesome right and of course yeah of course right we're going to going to make sure that um as i'm designing this course this is going to be indigenous representation And I mean, and again, from the education perspective, um, I have a background in indigenous literature. Um, I did it uh, in undergrad at the University of, of Guelph. Right. I did it um, um, American literature wise when I did my master's. And as we, you know, today, after we finish speaking, I'm going to go back to my course that I'm taking from the University of Alberta on Indigenous Canada. So that, um, again, um, I'm all up to date and make sure that I can include the Indigenous experience in the course that I'm designing because you have to. Right. And, and again, just like you said, you have to introduce students to um, experiences that may not be their own in order to um, ultimately in order to be a well-rounded person. You have to learn about about everybody's experience and, and know right so that you can go out and work and, and ultimately be well respectful and inclusive and, and make sure that um When in doubt, in the world that we're in today, you know, kindness does actually matter, right? But representation, representation matters always. Yeah, and
0: it's, I mean, part of the reason I brought that up, one, of course, it's important that students be able to see themselves. But like, I mean, I mentioned beforehand, I uh, grew up through high school an hour and a half north of Green Bay, Wisconsin. And so if, if you had designed the course based on students seeing themselves, it would have just been all white because... That's like literally like it was a town of 600. OK, like that's there was that, like and but I was grateful that I was able to read, you know, I mean, especially in a town of 600, you're like, wow, this is like, it can be really different, you know, like
1: <laughs> when Walmart is your main yeah. source
0: of entertainment, it's really good to have your horizons broadened, right? Like that's and so I, anyways, that that's near and dear, like uh, and th- those reasons are obviously contradictory. They They work together. They're complementary, right? Um, so, uh, actually, and I did want to mention this because I actually had a friend who just went to Germany. And I think sometimes, you know, you're talking about people are trying to erase things and it's a lot easier to see the foibles in other people, um, you know, like the, the other people's problems and why they should do what they're doing. But, um, he talked about, uh, walking and I believe they were like slightly raised up, they might not have been, but every place that there were Jews who had been taken up, uh, away in the Holocaust, as he walked through Berlin. There was a brick with the na- with like the what they did, what was there, and their names and and you talk to like German people they're incredibly self-conscious about that not or maybe historically conscious would be better, not self-conscious that has psychological overtones I'm not looking for they're historically conscious about that, and like that needs to not be repeated right and so when you look at that, you're like well, yeah, you know? And so when we look at that, we're like, that's obvious. But here it's like become this like, well, I mean, we don't want to trigger people, you know what I mean? And it's like, well, that'd be better than doing it again. I'm just saying like, <laughs> anyways. um, So I, I don't know if that, that parallel works, but it I, I find it helpful to look at other cultures where it's easier, it's easier to see other people mess up.
1: <laughs> oh, I know in, in, in Germany, which I, I, I've never been, unfortunately. Um, the fact is that they refuse to let anybody forget, and that's the way it should be, right? They got rid of all the monuments of, you know, right? Um, <laughs> those have gone away, but they're making sure, and, and yeah, that that ultimately anti-Semitism, which is a huge problem right now. Um, and that this just can't happen in, in Germany, right? That the fact remains that people are, people are remembered and people are remembered for a reason because we, we, we just can't, we just can't let this, we just can't let this continue. Um, and that ultimately, um, yeah, in in, in in Germany, especially, um, you yeah you get punished by law if you if you if you you know. And um, but with all the talk um, in the U.S., right? Um, I went to Broadway. I went to Broadway in the spring, right? Um, and theater, um, the big I want to say the big issue, and in, in, in most of the plays were about were about that were about anti semitism, right? Um, I saw, you know, Tom Stoppard's Leopoldstadt, um, which came over from the UK, which, which documents, which documents the Holocaust, right. And it's important for, for public perspective that the humanities continues to, to remember and to, and to represent, um, important issues to us. Like I said, I, I talked about indigenous literature. Indigenous literature is important. Um, indigenous horror is hot, but it's more than that right um it's it it's the fact that we have to we have to remember um like i said i'm i'm from canada um you you have to remember the the residential schools and i bring i bring up issues to my students here and they're like what's a residential school right and it's like um this was a horrible thing that lasted well into the 90s in canada where indigenous people were indigenous children were taken from their homes and they were forced into these schools, taken away from their families, and they weren't allowed their culture, they weren't allowed their language, um, clothing, see families, and they were forced into this situation. Um, they're forced into this, this atrocity, uh, which the, the Pope has, has last summer came to Canada and called it genocide. Um, and ultimately, this is what we see with in in indigenous writers indigenous writers works right now um that they're making sure again it, from horror perspective right utilize the genre to reflect reality to bring it to a wider
0: audience yes yeah, absolutely um that was such a good point i had something i was going to say about something earlier but i i i wanted to sit with that for a second that's that's really um Mm. Yeah, that I mean, and it's amazing how recent that is. You know what I mean? Even as as we as we look at this, as as we talk about this. Um, oh, now I remember what I was going to say. And now I feel bad because it was a joke. So, like, that <laughs> definitely. Uh, I was going to mention. I was. I was like, I apologize for the uh, for the Harry Potter reference, but I did really enjoy that you gave uh, Hitler the Voldemort treatment. That's. <laughs> You know who. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> Uh but the uh I yeah, uh, I tend
1: to do that. I tend to you're you're yeah, CNN's on the background, you're the, the Florida governor's there. I kinda of do that with him too. <laughs> you know that guy who keeps banning, that's what I talk about him in class. You know that guy who keeps banning stuff right. from yeah. him, right? who who who's trying to decimate AP courses cause you know What's the word I'm looking for? Ass, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> ultimately, um, yeah, I tend to use the uni- yeah, the Voldemort, you know who treatment because I, I just can't, just can't. Want to say you it. Know, yeah, that's funny. So, well, and Stephen Colbert does the same thing, right? If you ever, what, when we get television back again, every time Stephen Colbert talks about the former president, he does the same thing, right? Calls him something other than and never uses his name. It's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Harry Potter thing. Which and that's a whole loaded other issue. Don't you want to go into other stuff? I know, I know. know. Everything is just everything's so exciting. Yeah,
0: no, um, yeah, actually, and I, I, uh, um, I want to be respectful of your time. And, uh, um, you know, we didn't get to talk, uh, I think we we got to talk about the concepts around your book, we didn't get to really delve into it. I'm, I'm okay with that. I've really enjoyed our discussion. Um, for our audience, what is one takeaway you would have for this week? Like, not not that, like, obviously, I'm not asking you to summarize everything we just talked about because that was a lot and it was great. But what is something you'd have them to think further on or something to do this week as that after listening to this episode?
1: Oh, that's interesting. All right. Uh, <laughs> what could you do? Um, read one of the authors. Honestly, read one of the authors that I wrote about. Um, because some like justina ireland is is really well known right um i heard her talk uh, charm city speculative fiction society um had her come to um one of their meetings pre-pandemic and i got to listen to her read from her book and it was amazing right um it's always great when you get to hear the author but um she's more i'm going to say well known than than others um read one of the yeah. books right uh, yeah, yeah, that 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 that's my takeaway. Read, support your author. Um, I mean, whether you get it from support your library, you know, it, please support your library because again, that's the other thing that people are trying to take away. And it's like we love our libraries, right? It is our it is our refuge. It's a wonderful place. Um, but ultimately, read one of the books, and and um, especially if this is not a genre that you usually pick up right like everybody has their favorite thing right i love mysteries i really do only murders in the building is on tonight (laughs) Um, i'm all over that um but especially if this is a a genre that you, you know you're not used to or or you know you don't you don't tend to to pick up go for it um try it out read um and, and, and honor the the writers who have have created these texts and honor more specifically the the people in American history that that should be
0: honored. Mm. Uh, what a great way to to end us. I, I think that's a, a great you know that call to expand uh, our boundaries, to expand our empathy and our memory, I think is a great way to end today. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, I had a great time, this is wonderful.